Hello, everybody. Welcome into Sports Day Insider, presented by the Dallas Morning News. I am Kevin Sherrington, joined by my pals Evan Grant and David Moore. We had a pretty big weekend here, fellas. We had the uh, Cowboys trying to make it back to the winning side of the column right after the Eagles lost and the 49ers lost. What a weekend it was in the NFL. And we also had the Rangers playing against the Astros down in Houston in the American League Championship Series, the first playoff series ever between the Houston and Dallas-Fort Worth professional baseball team. So pretty pretty exciting stuff going on these days. Um, did everybody did everybody have a good weekend, first of all? David, how about you? Have a, have a nice weekend? Lovely weekend, Kevin. There was, you know, a little, uh, the first uh, hint, whisper of fall in the Dallas area with the uh, lower temperatures. Enjoyed, enjoyed the uh, eclipse, went out during the eclipse, got my eclipse glasses. Uh, Did you really? Oh, yeah. Are those, are those the ones you have on now? <laughs> no, no, no. It's, no. Well, I tell you what, these are like, and, and again, I was a little skeptical. It's like, eh, do I really want to trust these? But they were like completely, I mean, they were completely dark. Really? Blank out. Like, yeah. yeah. But it's, uh, you know, normally I've always done the uh, little pen and the uh, paper trick before. But, yeah, I did that and, and uh, come to find out that after the uh, Cowboys practice that day, which we weren't allowed to go to because uh, we aren't uh, have to have access to those practices. Uh, after uh, after practice, a few of the players went back outside with their glasses and uh, did the whole eclipse thing. How about so, that? Well, I'm, I'm we proud of to geek out. Yeah. yeah, I'm proud of them for doing that. I'm I'm embarrassed to admit this. I don't know if Evan is or not, but we were driving to Houston together during the eclipse. And, I would be embarrassed to admit that, but go well, ahead. I, oh, yeah. oh, there's something else after this. Yeah, thing. that's true. That's right. That was that was embarrassing enough. Uh, didn't even think about it. Uh, while we were driving and didn't even notice it. Did you, Evan? Did you notice anything while we I were driving? I think it got a little darker. Kevin, I, I was in the car with you and just trying to tune out whatever it was that you were talking about. So um, I was... Uh, you know, I started this on the high road and then you immediately took it to the low road. Oh, that's not exactly the one I was driving. But let me say this. The highlight, the highlight of that morning was a stop at Bucky's in Ennis where I bought Kevin a brisket and egg taco, even though he didn't ask for one. I bought I bought him one as a treat because I've always raved about the food at Bucky's and he's never, ever liked it. And I've convinced him now that they have nice food there. Not true. Not true. Bucky's, the Bucky's uh, in Madisonville. I've, I've been there many occasions. Many occasions. Yeah, I, got, I, I bought him some cashews, some big old cinnamon bites or whatever they are no not the no. nuggets but i bought some okay. cashews i bought him some big old nuts kind of like the ones that native aldi showed yesterday golly christian can we cut that part out <laughs> holy cow oh no he'll appeal to the kids leave it yeah in. yeah i don't know i don't know about that one holy cow all right since evan's just thrown this whole thing in the gutter let's He's taking uh, us there Let's just move on. Um, yeah, it was a it was a big big weekend for the Rangers down in Houston. You know they they go into that series having won uh, five games in a row. Um, they were uh, had won four games in a row on the road, and so going into Houston for that series, I got to tell you, I did not pick uh, the Rangers to win this series. I picked them uh, to lose in seven games. I felt like it would be a, a really good series. I just thought it was a lot to ask for them and for their rotation in particular, and it may still be uh, difficult for their rotation to win four games. Um, they could win uh, a two-game series, in which, or in a three-game series, which you had to win two games. They could win three games in a five-game series uh, with that rotation. I just thought that winning four games would be a little much to ask of this bunch. But we'll see. As we're taping this on Tuesday, Max Scherzer will start Wednesday for the Rangers against the Astros. Um, Scherzer threw about 69 pitches uh, in a simulated game last week. Uh, Bruce Bochy said uh, yesterday on Monday that he felt like that's kind of where they would start with Scherzer. They would expect him to be able to throw about 70 pitches. 
You know, that's somewhere between probably two and three innings. If he were, I can't imagine that uh, after all this time off, he would have command good enough that would allow him to stretch that anymore if 70 pitches is about his limit. So, um, uh, Evan, do we want to start there on talking about what we expect Scherzer to be able to do before we actually talk about the games on the weekend? Yeah, I, I mean, I I think that uh, look, they're in they're in as good a position as they could be right now. They uh, they are getting Scherzer back. It does appear that rather than throw forty five or or fifty pitches and not even qualify for to get through the fifth inning. Uh, he's in a position to get to maybe 75 pitches um, and get them through five innings. And maybe you then piggyback him with somebody like Dane Dunning or Andrew Heaney or, for that matter, John Gray, who's now on the roster. Um, They have gotten a legitimate postseason arm back in the middle of this playoff run. And so I I think it's it's a good position for this team to be in. The, the only question is that I have is this comeback has been fairly remarkable in how quick Max has gotten through all this. Uh, he's about five weeks out from the injury. Um, he did face hitters, and he did pitch in a simulated game, and I think he knows his body better than just about any player does. But still, when the lights go on and there's 40,000 people in the stands and he's trying to reach back and, and get a little extra velocity to, to maybe retire Jordan Alvarez, We'll see how it responds, um, but i i can't I can't say enough about where the Rangers are to be able to be getting pitching back at this point in time. May I ask a question real quick before we go yes. farther? Go right ahead, David. Because this postseason run to me defies the laws of nature, based off of what we've seen from this Rangers team. How, um, one, have you ever seen anything comparable where clear weaknesses that that became apparent over the course of a 162-game season, the bullpen, uh, you know, the, the, the road games have not been an issue whatsoever to this point in the postseason? It's such a dramatic, I mean, there's, it's like the, the previous, months or just forget it this is you know this was turning on a light switch to start the postseason i i, I don't it's hard for me to remember something like this in in any sport uh now again there is still a ways to carry it out to the end where it's going to be truly memorable but i mean this is remarkable to me well the road the road thing is remarkable um this is a team that went into the postseason 40 and 41 on the road it was the second worst road record among playoff teams and they played six, seven games on the oh. road and have the fourth longest or the tied for the third longest all-time road winning streak in the postseason. It's it's like they got on the plane in Seattle at the end of the year after that loss and went through, I don't know, one of those Twilight Zone episodes and emerged on the other side. There was no gremlin on their wing anymore, and they were a completely different team. Um, but I, I think when you start looking inside of that, you look at, the impact that Evan Carter has had on the lineup in different spots, it's its made the lineup more dangerous. You look at um, the fact that by that point in time, Josh Young was finally getting healthy again and that it was allowing Bruce Bochy to extend his lineup, to, to drop some guys that, that weren't performing at the high spots in the lineup but are still threats in the bottom third of the order. Um, and, and it allowed him to move guys like Carter and, and Garver into into bigger producing spots. Um, I think you also look at the fact that, uh, that this team got two really good pitching performances out of the gate from Montgomery and Ivaldi, and I think that, that that made a big difference. The bullpen has the, the bullpen for me again is a little bit smoke and mirrors. I think they they have converted all three save opportunities that they've had. Um, but it certainly hasn't been uh, dominant in any way, your, in any way of the imagination. They've had their troubles in those things, but they've gotten out of them. I just think that when you you add this, the, the guys that they've gotten back, that, that Ivaldi is is fully healthy now. The presence of Bruce Bochy and how he handles postseason baseball, 
I think it's just a really, really good mix. And the most important thing is for teams to put what happened in the regular season behind them and just focus on the task. And I think this team has, has, has done a good job of that. And I do think pretty much every year, maybe not to this extent, we see some wild card team that just limped into the playoffs. It's hot late, yeah. And, and get and gets hot right now. And and that's where the Rangers are at this point. Well, that that doesn't happen in, in your sport, David. In, in, in the NFL – the, the best teams pretty much win. I mean, you know, the, the teams with the most talent. When you're in, in football, in basketball, uh, that's all and about hockey. Fish. The longer series, too, I think. You know, if you have a short series and you can get it out of the way quick, you mm. build momentum a little bit quicker in baseball, right? I guess. Well, I, yeah, I think there, it, it's, well, you know, the old saying is momentum is the next day starting yeah, pitcher true. in baseball. It's true. So I, I think in, in, a, in a sport where it's not, overly reliant on physical ability like baseball uh get it gets a little sketchier you know that, that things can happen you do get you do get hot. i mean look at the fact that the two best teams in the regular season were uh were the well i if you go just by record it was the dodgers and the orioles i mean not i mean the, the braves and the orioles so uh but the best you know organizations best teams dodgers braves orioles they're all out so, um, when the Rangers eliminated one of those, uh, they eliminated the team, the two teams Tampa, in the American League with the best yeah. records, you know, at Tampa and Baltimore, both. So, uh, I do think that, you know, it is a situation where they've, they've really gotten excellent starting pitching, uh, from both, uh, uh, Jordan Montgomery and Nathan Ivaldi. you know, in these, uh, in these starts so far in the postseason. They've had four walks. Those guys have given up four walks in in all the, in in those four starts. So that's that's amazing. You know, they gave up three home runs to the Astros on Monday, and yet uh, it didn't hurt them. You know, because you know the three home runs were all with no one on base. They're all solo homers. So uh, that's the old that's the idea, right? Especially against the Astros, you just simply cannot be putting their guys on base because. Jordan Alvarez is just a monster, you know, and they Jordan Montgomery did a fabulous job against him on Sunday uh, and striking him out three times. And at the press conference afterward, I was just trying to get a funny line out of Jordan. And I said, did you want he was taken out before he faced him the fourth time? And uh, I said, did you did you want to face him a fourth time? And he said, yes, he did, you know, and uh and he clearly was a little upset, and and this is unusual for Jordan Montgomery because he never says anything. He's just quiet and and uh, doesn't. He has there's no bravado at all to him. Uh, he wanted to pitch that a fourth time against him, and I don't know that I I would have uh, blamed him. I, I thought the same thing. Uh, I, I do think that they probably go on the little quicker hook. That's what you usually see in the postseason. The problematic part of that is that the Rangers bullpen, as, as Evan alluded to, is still not. Uh, pitched at a level that makes you think, wow, this team has really got it going. I mean, it was the same old thing, you know, uh, Monday. Uh, Josh Spores came in and did a nice job. I, I My think it was, he only threw 15 pitches. I know he pitched the day before. I'd, I'd have brought him back out, you know, to to start the, the eighth. Uh, they uh, they didn't do that. Uh, they went right away with Rollis Chapman, who, who did get two outs, and then he just gave up a monster home run by Alvarez, and and you just thought, oh my gosh, here they go. And then you know Jose Leclerc comes in, and at one point throws nine straight balls, nine straight balls, and they still won that game. It's just amazing that all that stuff happens, and and that they still come out on top. Now there are, there are two reasons why this team is up two zero and why they have won seven straight. To Kevin's point. The starters have given up four walks in 40 innings and three solo home runs in 40 innings. The second part is they've played exemplary defense, and they've won at least two games pretty much strictly on defense. They will tell you, just like Mike McCarthy will tell you, pre-snap penalties are, are an issue. Baseball baseball managers will tell you, pitching and defense wins you championships. And this team is getting starting pitching and it's getting ex- excellent defense on on really everywhere around the diamond, and that's what wins close games. I, I I don't know that we can say it any more bluntly, but it's it's played out. The defense that Evan Carter has supplied in in left field has been outstanding. I know that Josh Young didn't make a pick on a on a ground ball yesterday, 
Um, that was a tough play, and I thought a little bit of a tough of an error. But he's made great plays throughout the playoffs and, and is, in my mind, once again, kind of said to those to, to those analysts who rate him as an average to below average third baseman, you're out of your mind. Um, uh, Kevin, they, what else? They, Jonah Heim has thrown out a runner behind, for, for, in a key situation. And, and, mo, and, and perhaps just as important, the pitchers, particularly Montgomery, have made numerous plays on their own to get themselves out. And we saw the difference, right, in the first inning yesterday. Your, uh, Fromber Valdez makes a really sloppy play on a tapper right back to the mound in the first inning and then throws off his back foot lazily to first base. The ball goes into right field. And before that inning is over, the Rangers have a 4 nothing lead. So the Rangers are – one thing Chris Young says – is a is a central tenant of this organization, and I do believe he puts he puts real weight behind this. Is dominate the fundamentals, and nowhere does that show up more than on defense and when you don't walk hitters. Yeah, that's that was the the difference between the last couple of years with this team. You know, I, I'll go back even past last year. Obviously, the talent level has improved immensely in the lineup, but uh, this is a team that does does not chase nearly as much as it used to still will chase occasionally a couple of the guys will in particular but for the most part doesn't and it plays much better defense than it did uh in the last couple of years those are two things that have happened uh that have been kind of the foundation of this of the success of this team and also i will say that uh you know uh as we know i'm from houston my brothers still live there uh and i was talking to one of my brothers yesterday at uh, brunch, and he made the comment, and they're they're big Astros fans, and he said, <clears throat> "Well, the, but the Astros are, still have a much better lineup than the than the Rangers." And I said, "Well, no, they don't. It's it's close. Uh, I would say that you know, it's it's a push in a couple of places. I think it's a push at second base between Marcus Simeon and Jose Altuve." It, it's a push in right field between. Are you talking uh, overall or defensively? No, just overall. Okay. Uh, and and I think and and then, and then it's a uh, in right field between Tucker and Adolis Garcia. Now, one of the things that's really hurts, I, I would disagree with that. I think well, Tucker's the better player. I think Tucker might be the better player, but he's having a horrible. Uh, postseason. He's sure. hitting 0, 091 in these playoffs. Now, Adolis isn't hitting great, but he had a single in that first inning to knock in a run. He had um, a cartwheel. And he also had a cartwheel. You know, actually, he got hit by a pitch and then did a cartwheel across the batter's box. Uh, I, I have no idea why he did that. Uh, I have not been able to ask him that yet. I asked John Blake, is that the first cartwheel in the history of the Rangers organization? And he couldn't give me an answer on that. He, he thought Surely that they had done it at some point. I, I would have remembered, I think, a cartwheel. When was the last time either of you did a cartwheel? Not. Uh, I have two daughters that were all in Ponce, uh, Palm Squads, uh, and they they did cartwheels, but not their old man. No, I saw a meme that. already this morning of Adolis Garcia on a balance beam uh, doing that cartwheel. <laughs> I'm a horse. Balance and another yeah. one of side-by-sides with him and uh, Simone Biles' floor routine. So, yes, <laughs> that's really all that matters. How memeable are your activities on the baseball field? Yeah, pretty good stuff. <clears throat> so I, I do think that the, the, the in this series, what you see is that – so Marcus Simeon and, and uh, Corey Seager both uh, – factor into that first inning singles and they both scored and that and they were factors in the game but uh in the first two games really uh leone Tavares has been uh the best offensive player and he's hitting ninth uh and, and that's the thing about this rangers team as far as the lineup goes is that it's just so deep they don't always rely on the top of the lineup to carry them um and there's always somebody at some point in that lineup who is able to rise to the occasion. And when you have that, that makes you a very dangerous team because as, you know, as Dusty Baker said once again yesterday, uh, you know, good pitching beats good hitting. Well, it's hard for even good pitching to beat nine guys. Uh, and, and when uh, there is always somebody who's going <clears> to, <throat> as, as in the case with Evan Carter, who's just going to be so good at the plate and going to be so patient. He's not going to be fooled. He's not going to chase and you get runners on base, um, then, then good things happen. This is a, it is a remarkable uh, 
series so uh, so far and season for the Rangers. You know, I I said that uh, they're playing with house money uh, in the ALCS. I, I no one would predict they would get this far, uh, and and to be now. Uh, up 2-0. Evan, the numbers are what? Uh, 24 of 28 teams that have uh, gone started the, the postseason 4-0 on the road have gone on to win uh, the ALCS or, or, or a league championship series in advance of the World Series. Does that sound David, right? David, yesterday I, I took a highlighter and I outlined for Kevin the stat. I was like, okay, here's one good stat to sum this up. And it's at 13 of 14 teams that have started in LCS since they went to a best-of-seven series that won the first two games on the road, went on to win, and he's citing some other stat. But the bottom line is... you Columnists are detail guys. They're they're concept people. Concept. It's, first of all, it's numbers, okay? <laughs> I, I If I had been any good at numbers, I wouldn't have become a journalist. Okay, so I tell Tim Kalashaw, you know, who made a higher score on the math uh, portion of his SAT, you know, you clearly chose the wrong profession, pal. Yeah. I, as long as we're as long as we're making admissions here today, I do need to let the world know of this. That you know, I don't know if anybody's aware. Kevin is from Houston, and he likes to bring that up about I don't know every seven minutes on the podcast. Um, and having driven around Houston with him. Did he mention it in the car days, drive down there? Well, except for one thing. He has no idea where he's going in Houston. <laughs> Listen. changed a lot since he was there. Nobody knows where they're going in Houston. Let me just say that. Okay? the place I haven't lived there in 38 years. The place has changed a little bit since I was there, since we were you know, running around in covered wagons. All I know is it's, we ended up in the Astrodome parking lot at one point in time. No, <laughs> we, we did not. We did not. No, it's a lot of it's a lot of things have changed down there. You know, it's a lot more vibrant in downtown. Uh, and you know, there's a ballpark downtown, my gosh. You know, when I left, uh, they, played base, they still played baseball in the Astrodome. And we uh, ate good food. Kevin had one suggestion, and I had another, and – was all good. We got all these Gulf Coast seafood, right, Kevin? Good company on off Kirby, one of my favorites. Uh, and then you know, we, we ate a place that uh, Robbie Grossman uh, recommended a barbecue place called Pinkerton's, and that was really good. Pinkerton's so. was really good. And let me give you everybody who's going to go to Pinkerton's, make sure you get the duck and sausage and do a gumby jambalaya. Jambalaya. It was just okay. The, the, the jambalaya was just okay. Not, not fan a jambalaya fan. fan. Uh, was not a rice guy. It was a really good. It was a really good uh, brisket, though. Excellent brisket, and the ribs were really good. So, uh, and we'll see whether they're going to end up going back there and eating some more of that. Um, I don't know. I, I think with with three games left to go here, um, uh, I can see anything happening here. Of course. Uh, but uh, I do think that you know this it's very be a very difficult path for the Astros at this point. Uh, they've they've thrown their their top pitcher out there, Justin Verlander, the guy with the most experience, and and he did what he was supposed to do. He only gave up two runs. He he did a good job. But Evan, uh, as long as you're citing numbers, tell me that tell us that number that you showed me yesterday about Justin Verlander's four seam fastball. Oh, um, the uh, yeah, I mean, the, the thing that he did um, in game one was he still threw predominantly four-seam fastballs. It was a plurality. I don't think he threw more than 50%. It was more like 47%, but it was his number one pitch. And it went back, and, and the Rangers did not swing and miss at a fastball. Um, they, uh, I think he threw 47 fastballs. They swung at 27 of them, and there was not a swing and miss, and what was significant about that is in 436 starts or whatever it is that, that stats pass or, or uh, MLB Savant system has, uh, he's never had a start where he didn't have a swing and a miss on the fastball. And so it, it just tells me that the Rangers' plan and their approach was really good against Justin Verlander. And I think their plan and approach against Fromber early was good. It frustrated him, but the Astros, the Astros' bullpen – shut the Rangers down late, but I think the Rangers got to Fromber the way they needed to early in the game. I think their approach at the plate has been really mature, disciplined, refined, and coherent, you know, all the way through the lineup. There's nobody out there who's freelancing 
Um, and it is, it, it, it has worked, um, against this Astros team to the point really, Kevin, where, you know, I, I know you were just talking about, well, do we go back to Houston for game six and seven? Um, I did not like Framber Valdez's body language at all yesterday for a game in which, you know, they were already down one Oh, and they needed a kind of hold, hold serve there. Uh, that first inning, he looked frustrated. He looked, uh, he looked beaten and I don't, I, I don't, I did not like the Astros' body language throughout the game. Well, he's given up ten runs in seven innings in the postseason so far. Uh, so yeah, I'm, I'm sure it, that's that's a lot to do with it. Not just what happened on uh, uh, Monday, but also what what happened in, in the previous series. So it's been a, a difficult road for him. I, I think what's going to be key now is just what you mentioned: is that after that, uh, after his two and a two-thirds innings uh, uh, stay in the game on Monday, uh, the Astros bullpen took over and did a great job. You know, shut the shut the Rangers down the rest of that game. That's what the the Astros bullpen does, unlike the Rangers bullpen. So it'll be really interesting to, to me to see how going forward, when you don't have uh, for the next couple of games, you don't you don't have Jordan Montgomery and you and you don't have Nathan Evaldi, and you are relying on Max Scherzer, who maybe can throw seventy five pitches, and that should probably get you somewhere. On the low side, maybe three innings. On the high side, maybe five if he's really pitching well, which I think that's a real reach to think that he could get five innings done, is that you're going to now have to rely more on that bullpen. Now, it does have a guy like John Gray available that was not in the regular season. At some point, you would think that Martin Perez would would show up here in the postseason, although the uh, he did not pitch well this year against the Astros. The crazy thing is, is that he started last season great against the Astros, had no hit him through seven innings in a game down there, and then just gradually lost it, his ability and his command against those guys. Um, so uh, it will be, to me, the the bullpen will be the, the biggest factor from here on out for both teams uh, uh, in the rest of this series, and at least until Montgomery and uh, if, the, if that needs to happen, Montgomery and Evaldi come back in this series. I, I, obviously, Max Scherzer becomes a, a huge factor here. Um, and I think of, of all guys to do this, not that his postseason numbers are that great. They aren't, of course, across the course of his career. They've been pretty good. Not, they're not to the level of, of the Hall of Fame pitcher that he is, though. But still, you got to like him in this situation, strictly from the fact that he's just so confident in himself. You know, this is what you want now. You want a guy who has that kind of confidence and wants the ball, just like Nathan Avaldi. His postseason numbers are, are excellent. Uh, he he likes pitching at this time of year. You know, in the fifth inning on Monday, when the bases were loaded and no outs, uh, what does he do? He, you know, he strikes out Yonder Diaz. He strikes out Jose Altuve, and then he gets Alex Bregman to chop the, the third. Uh, that was the backbreaker of that game. When the Astros couldn't score, they couldn't score a run. Bases loaded, no outs. And, you know, the place is about to explode if they can get some runs across there. And Avaldi just rises up and shuts the whole thing down. Uh, that's great pitching at that point. That's great nerve. That's what Evan was alluding to in his his vulgar uh, reference earlier. Uh, this is this is what you got to have in the postseason. Certainly, Max Scherzer is that type of pitcher to rise to the occasion. Uh, and that's what you would want. To me, it's just a simply a matter of he hasn't pitched uh, in a real game, and you know he's coming off an injury. They he should still be out another month. Yeah, uh, I just don't know how I, I, he will rise to the occasion. I have no doubt. I just don't know how high he can rise at this point. Would be the best yeah, way I can say. Sure, absolutely. I mean, how much can you expect him to do here now, Pete? If if he comes in and pitches five innings and, and shuts them down, you know, for five innings, well, then it's just more of the same of, of what the Rangers are doing in this postseason, right? Just more of the unlikely rise of of the Rangers. Uh, uh, I, I think at this point, the thing that you just can't rub out here is the fact that you know the uh, Astros have got to to win four or five games, you know. That's going to be really hard to do against the Rangers when three of those games are at Globe Wide Field. Now, we do remember, of course, that the uh, Rangers or the Astros beat the Rangers 39 to 10 in that three game set the last time they were here. So there's 
they're certainly capable of doing that. They're they're a much better team on the road this year than they are at home. And I, who could explain that? Uh, especially when you're playing that band box that they do with the Crawford boxes in left field that they couldn't take advantage of that this year. It's just been a really crazy season uh, for, for actually for the, uh, the Astros as well as the Rangers. And that's a crazy postseason, And that will continue for uh, at least another week. So we'll see how it all goes. But it's all very fun. It's all fun to have all this really top flight baseball in the state of Texas. It, it is now I'm, now, I'm officially declaring this a baseball state, no longer a football state. Uh, and speaking of football, so now let's talk about football. Let's talk about football. Yeah, let's talk about those Cowboys who who bounced back from a humiliating defeat at the hands of the San Francisco 49ers. And and now this weekend, this is just the NFL, right, David? You know, we, we talk about crazy things happening in baseball. And I, and I guess we, we were kind of overlooking the fact that crazy things happen in football, too, because a week after the Cowboys were embarrassed by the 49ers. The 49ers lost to the Browns. They scored like six points. I don't know. It wasn't six, but it was humiliated. And then the Eagles lost to the Jets. How does this stuff happen? It's just crazy. I think, that as, we, as we've said, everybody has a bad loss. We all thought the bad loss for the Cowboys was losing to the Cardinals, and then they just got crunched by the 49ers. Uh, but now the Eagles have lost to the Jets, and the 49ers have lost to the Browns. And the Cowboys bounced back against the Chargers with a pretty nice win, twenty seventeen. You know, there there was a very big question in my mind about this team's ability to come back mentally, psychologically, from what happened in San Francisco. Uh, that wasn't a loss. That was your great white whale that devoured <laughs> you. You know, and uh, it, the magnitude of that loss when they had openly declared how much a victory would mean to them, and consistently said, look, we're poised to move past San Francisco. We need to show it. And then to fall that short, I was just convinced there would be ramifications. And, and that's, that's just the psychological and mental part. You know, going back over the last couple of seasons, teams after facing San Francisco were 1-18 and 18 the next week after those games, going back into last season because that's the physical toll that San Francisco takes on opponents. So when you put those two together, um, I, I really, I thought Dallas had too far to climb, especially emotionally, to give themselves a chance to win this game. And then when you saw how the game started out, the Chargers played right into that, right? They, they win the toss but defer to give it to the Dallas offense because the Dallas offense has struggled. Dallas feeds right into that with a three and out. Then what do the Chargers do? They go right down the field just to viscerate the Cowboys' defense and go up 7-0. So this game starts on the road again like an extension of what happened in San Francisco. And for Dallas to right themselves from that point, and look, it was a very sloppy game. It was an ugly game. There wasn't much rhythm to it throughout. Uh, Even the strength of the team, in uh, that win over the Chargers, the defense uh, insisted on making one mistake after another. Uh, you know, some some really confounding penalties defensively uh, that uh, allowed the Chargers to stay on the field longer, even when they didn't score. Um, you know, it was, and again, to, to fight through all that, uh, to make some big plays at the end from your key players, which is how you win in this league or any league. Your key players have to make, you know, come up big in big moments. Um, you saw that on both sides of the ball in that game yesterday. So I, the, I really thought that this was the, based on how bad that San Francisco loss was and where they were psychologically coming out of it, I really felt our, this was the, the biggest regular season game in Mike McCarthy's tenure since he's been here. And I thought they were, you know, in line for another loss. I just thought they had too much to work through to get to a win. Uh, you saw them work through a lot yesterday uh, and were able to come out with a win. So I, I think that's significant for them. 
Yeah, I picked them to lose. Uh, you know, going into the season, I was pretty sold on the Cowboys. I felt like this was a 12-13 win season, uh, team, uh, and they started out that way. We're playing great. Defense was great. Uh, and then, you know, it's just been a, a seesaw, not only with the Cowboys, but the teams they played, right? It, after they lost to the 49ers, then you look back at the wins and you say, well, the Eagles, are, I mean, the uh, the Jets were no good and, and the Patriots are no good. And and so you're you're kind of starting to minimize what they had done and thinking that maybe they are closer to the way they looked against the 49ers. And, and maybe I just completely misjudged all of this. Uh, and then, you know, when the, the, the Jets beat the Eagles, you, you look at it and think, well, they've actually played pretty well against everybody except the Cowboys. So that actually – that win for the Cowboys looks even better now, right? Yeah. Uh, and so, so that makes you feel like that's a little more legitimate. And then, and then when you look at, of course, what they did uh, Sunday or um, Monday night against the uh, the Chargers, who, you know, look, the Chargers aren't a great team. Uh, they are they one two straight. They had a bye. Uh, the best quarterback Dallas has faced all year. Oh, no question about it. I love Justin Herbert. I think he's yeah, really good. Uh, uh, and, uh, you know, I'm, I know Jason Garrett has said that if he could pick one quarterback in this league uh, to build a team around, he'd pick Justin Herbert. Uh, and I don't know that I uh, disagree with that if we're talking about young guys, uh, that you know, young group of quarterbacks. It doesn't include Patrick Mahomes if we're not going to call him young anymore. Uh, so, uh, yeah, I, I think that 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 was a, a huge bounce back win. I think as as you pointed out, because uh, Evan and I didn't get to watch the game, we were uh, you know kind of busy with uh, baseball stuff. Uh, the uh, the fact that Dak uh, used his feet a little bit really helped in that game because the running game is just still going nowhere. Uh, when he gets forty yards and is leading rusher. 40, to me, 40 yards is about what Dak needs to be doing on a regular basis, right? I mean, he needs to be he, he needs to be in a position where he's contributing that because that's, that's true across the board just in football in general. If you don't have a quarterback these days who can't get out and give you a little something, a little surprise element like that to a defense, at least something for the defense to have to reckon with. You know, there are so many things that you can scheme and take out of a game. Uh, but you can't take out of the game a quarterback who just gets loose on a play. Uh, and that just makes such a big difference. And in that game, uh, he Dak did do that. But it's, it is concerning also, David, that this offensive line is not clicking and it is not producing anything for the running game. I, I have complained about the fact that I don't think they have uh, uh, the kind of personnel uh, in their backfield to, to have the kind of running game that Mike McCarthy wants to have, but it doesn't help when that offensive line is not performing uh, at not just a high level, but not even a functional level. At this point, uh, they, they had all five of their starters in there. Uh, it's still not clicking, David. So what do you think is the problem there? Yeah, this is two games. They're projected the offensive line starters that they've had together. Uh, has, haven't looked good in either game. Um I, I'm a little surprised their run game isn't farther along, uh, but but this group at, at the point of attack does did not look good yesterday. Uh, did not look good against San Francisco either. Um, it it you know is this the lack of them playing together over the course of the last couple of seasons? Maybe, but this is a this is by and large a, a veteran group that should be better and farther along than what they are. And, uh, and two, I would say the run game, that the protection issues are there too. You know, Dak had five sacks, uh, was sacked five times in that game. Um, and that, that was a big, when, when Mike McCarthy talked about the scheme, that the scheme changes this offseason, that was the starting point, protection issues. He felt they had protection issues last year. He wanted to clean those up by going to this season. It has not cleaned them up. So that's a that's a concern. They need to get that right. But I, I thought I, I saw Dak do something in the game yesterday that he hadn't done this season. And and that was use his feet to make a difference in the game, use his legs. And and it started with that 18 yard run where uh in the red zone where they're down 7-0. 
uh, struggled in the red zone all year. We've talked about that. They're on the 18-yard line, uh, third and short, or fourth and short, excuse me. You know, he sticks the ball in, in Tony Pollard in just a, an off-tackle play. Everyone bites. He pulls it out, and, and he goes 18 yards for the touchdown. Uh, everyone will point to that play, and it was significant, especially given how the game was unfolding at that point. If they hadn't scored a touchdown there, I, I don't know that they would have won the game. Uh, but to me, it was how he extended plays the rest of the game with his feet once he was flushed outside the pocket. And, and it's almost like you got the sense early this season that Dak is still adapting to this offense, and it, and it was very much a, a paint by the numbers. Well, I got to do this progression. It's not there. I go here. I go there. Okay, well, now I've got to throw it somewhere. This one was well, no, it's not open. Let me get out here. Let me buy a little bit more time. Let me look down the field. Let me scramble the situation, and, and let's see what we can make out of it. And um, those, you know, the the 60-yard the pass to Tony Pollard was the biggest one of the evening, and that, w- that came in that situation. Um, you need your quarterback to make those sort of plays in today's NFL, and we haven't seen that from Dak this season until that game. So maybe... You know, maybe we saw the point where you kind of see the marriage of 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 what he does and not being so handcuffed to the new offense to do it exactly right. To where, look, maybe I need to buy some time here, and if and if good things happen with this, uh, it's just going to help us click with the uh, with the offense you want to run. So we'll see where they go from here with it. Of course, we we see the same old thing here in the Cowboys offense. This goes back to the days of Dez. Uh, a, a receiver complains. Uh, whether publicly or on the field, that he's not getting and they the ball. they respond the next week. With and they respond the next week. That happened with Dez. That happened with Amari Cooper. And now it's happening uh, with C.D. Lamb. I would, I would say it happens across the league by and large, too. Which is- Well, it does. Uh, it is always amazing to me. It's like you don't want these guys doing this. You don't want them saying these kind of things. But what's the first thing you do? You run out and say, Ease okay. Them. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, let's go ahead and them sure. and, and, and play right into their tantrums. Or Yeah. So he had what seven catches for a hundred seven for uh, one seventeen yeah one seventeen so and, and to me more important I mean from start to finish he had an impact you know uh, CD in the in the San Francisco game finished that game with four catches for forty nine yards by the time the first quarter was over last night he had three catches for fifty yards so he already exceeded his total so I mean he was a, he was a presence from start to finish and that allowed um, you know. And, and certainly they discovered, hey, Brandon Cooks is on this team. So, um, you know, he finally made some plays last night. And the fact he made plays in a game now, which we've seen him make in, in practice in the offseason ever since he got here, uh, that probably makes it a little bit easier for Dak to go back to him in, in key situations now. You know, I got to tell you, uh, Obviously, Brandon Cooks has been a very good receiver in this league. Uh, the, for a the long thousand time, yard, yes, a long time. Six, the thousand yard six, one thousand yard seasons, and nice. I, yeah, I, I would argue he's as good of a of a receiver who has not made the Pro Bowl that there is in the NFL. And I think yeah, everyone will tell you that it's an amazing career. It, it, what it looks like when you see it, he's a, a vagabond receiver. He goes from one club to the next. Uh, it makes you think this is not a good guy, right? Uh, and that's not the case at all. It'd be further from the case. Everyone raves about the guy, you know, yeah. but, but you have that question because someone that productive being in that many places, but every place he's been, you know, Drew, B, Drew Brees went out of his way to tell people what a wonderful uh, teammate and receiver Brandon Cooks is, how he grasped everything about the offense. He's just, you know, he's he's the guy that's kind of the – the 1B, 2A, right in that range where every team has had a younger guy that they need to pay and they don't want to throw more money at that position. So he's the guy who who they move on from and plug someone else in there. Uh, a lot of it's just been economics and timing for him, I think. It really is because everyone raves about him and everything he's done since he's been here. You know, C.D. Lamb last night was talking about how Brandon Cooks has helped make him more professional, that he's he, he gets here earlier than any receiver he's been around. And uh, kind of, you know, almost, you know, I, I hate to say shame, that's part of it, but some these guys are so competitive. It's like, well, if, you know, can I really let Brandon Cooks get to the facility an hour before I do every day? I'm going to have to start going earlier, you know? And, yeah. and so that kind of thing, uh, feeds off each, 
you know, eats off each other. The one thing I would say about it is that, you know, uh, I'm not sure that Brandon Cooks is the ideal receiver for this offense. Uh, you know, it, it seems to me that, you, you know, what, what, from what Mike McCarthy wants to do, he, he, it seems like he wants this to be a physical, run-based offense, a, a, at least a lot more like the version of the West Coast offense that the 49ers use. And it, it would seem to me that you, then you need a bigger uh, wide receiver who's going to win 50-50 balls. And I've always said that that Dak really needs that. And it, it's a funny thing to say because he had that when he came into the league with Des Bryant, right? And that didn't work out. But they, they didn't have that good of a rapport either. No, yeah. they had no, no chemistry. And, but some of that's the fact that Des didn't run great routes. And he yeah. just, you know, Tony just took advantage of, of Des. He he just looked for him. He looked for the matchup. It wasn't, he he, he knew where it was going to be. And, yeah. and letting him win the 50-50 balls. And Dak wasn't willing to do that. You know, Dak was looking at, well, why wouldn't I throw it to, you know, to Beasley here? He's wide open. I'll just throw it to him instead. And I thought that was, frankly, Dak's genius as a young quarterback that he just he recognized that and went with it. But I do think that, you know, because Dak's not the most accurate quarterback in the world, uh, that if you can get the ball to a guy who's going to fight for it, I've seen too many times uh, over the last couple of years, you know, CD's not a big guy. Uh, Mike, Michael Gallup is a is a fairly big guy, but gets can really get knocked off his routes. He gets yeah. bullied by defensive backs a lot, and it doesn't seem to have the confidence to go in and try to win those balls all the time. And so – and but then when you get Brandon that Cooks, keeps going player. back to him, right? I, I think yes, Gallup is the close to go to your point. I think Gallup is the closest on this roster, and he's not been able to convert those this season. And so now you look at that connection and you go, well, this isn't nearly efficient enough. When you look at how inefficient the passing game is right now, a lot of it is just the insistence on going to Gallup a lot of the time, and and they're not being able to connect and, and convert on those throws. No, they're not. And and so, you know, and so then you would think, all right, then the next step down from that is the tight ends, right? Yeah. Well, that's still been an issue. You know, it, it's it's evolving, but, you know, uh, I didn't have a problem with them letting Dalton Schultz go. I thought they had enough guys here that could re- replace him, you know, starting with Jake Ferguson, that uh, and then the, the first round draft pick, you know, that, that should have been enough or not the first round, the second round draft. Second pick. round. Yeah. So that that's that should have been enough. Well, it, it still hasn't panned out. Uh, you know, Schoonmaker has not been that kind of has had that kind of impact. I would say to me, that's the, another reason that the Cowboys has uh, been a disappointing start uh, so far is that the top two draft picks have not delivered uh, yep. so far. Mozzie Smith and Schoonmaker, Luke Schoonmaker, they just have not had the kind of impact uh, on both sides of the ball. that well, Mozzie was involved in that pregame fight skirmish before the game with the Chargers. He was in the middle of that. <laughs> Does that count? Is that a contribution? Well, there we go. Okay, I didn't realize that he was in the middle of all of that. So good. Well, good for him. <laughs> at least he, at least he made some physical impact. Uh, not the kind exactly that you want. Yeah, but you're right. Yeah, Ferguson. And again, I think we're talking about the efficiency of the passing game. Uh, you know, Ferguson's had some big games, and then last night I thought he had a, a really good, tough, contested catch, but didn't look to him that much. Right, but. But C.D. Lamb was delivering. Uh, Cooks, when they went to him, was. So, I mean, uh, it, it's going to be a moving target there. You, you don't have the um, – no one has has earned Dak's trust to the level that Dalton Schultz had it when he was going out the door. That doesn't mean they're capable of getting there and doing that. Yeah. I think Ferguson is. Yeah, that's right. So now they got a bye week. Uh, David, is this a good thing? Are there are there are there injuries here that need to be uh, a, a massaged? Well, nothing that's going to you know the the two of guys who are going to be out for a while, C.J. Goodwin and, and Leighton Vanderesh, who were placed on injured reserve, um, they're not going to be back any quicker. You're still looking at you know November best case for Leighton Vanderesh and and Goodwin is still in da- very much in doubt about his ability to return at all this season with that torn pectoral muscle. Um, but look, this game's so physical, you know, coming off the San Francisco game where so many of them were beat up and then uh, last night's game, anytime you get the bye, it comes at a good time in the NFL just because it's such a physical and violent league. Um, but they're, they're really in pretty good shape here, uh, physically, uh, offensively and defensively. Um, and I say that I understand, yes, the defense has lost two starters 
and Leighton Van Der Esch and, and Trayvon Diggs. But, you know, Deron Bland's holding up really well. Uh, I think you saw him again more last night making that play in the end zone uh, on Allen to, to keep a, to keep them off the scoreboard late in that second half. Uh, so, yeah, I th- they're really physically, I think they feel pretty good about where they are. But what they need to do is that this offensive line needs to get better and, and this offense still needs to improve. Well, it's really good for the Cowboys now. Uh, probably, as you said, a bye week is all, always welcome. Uh, but then they'll come back the next week against the Rams. Uh, home game. They've been very good at home of late the last and couple of years. So very good for the, for them to work out some more kinks here before they play. Because the then Phillies after that on the road. Yeah. Yeah. So, so that's this sets that's up pretty be. good for them. This is a good, like I said, they've become a very good home team of late. Um, the Rams are a challenging team. I don't know that they're they're certainly not to the level they uh, were in their Super Bowl years. Um, that's a that's a team at home Dallas should beat now. So this is um, considering you had the loss to Arizona, which you should not have had, and considering how badly you were beaten by San Francisco, they all all their goals are still there for them coming out of the bye, and and a big part of that was. Cleveland and uh, the New York Jets uh, played a role in that as well. Yeah, no question about it. All right. Well, it looks like they at least got themselves back up and running here. And, you know, this is a winner's town now. You know, you can't be uh, lollygagging around and, uh, and muddling things up here. This is it's a winner's town. It's a baseball state. Uh, let's, let's, we're we're going to ride with that at least for another week. It'll be another uh, for the rest of this week. It certainly is. Yes, exactly. No kidding. All right. That's going to do it for us. We uh, appreciate you coming and listening to our podcast. And we hope you'll come back next week in which we'll find out exactly where the Rangers are at that point and see if they are in their third world series. Uh, and uh, we won't know anything more about the Cowboys, but that's okay. We'll, we'll, we'll come up with something. So from everybody in here to everybody out there, thanks. And we'll it's see you next time. Very-